trinkets that we get from other places. We don't need to buy, uh, you know, the little, the little uh, solar lights that come from China. We don't need to buy the little trinkety things from other nations. And that is not a good situation at all. So let's, um, let's just continue to see what's going on. And we, what are we doing? It just went back to this one. Oh, that's weird. And so it did interrupt. now the music is playing here. Hmm, okay. Like it's just starting. Well, hopefully um, everyone will be able to get through this. And I, they're actually working uh, on the road down the street from us this morning. So it may interrupt our internet signal. <clears throat> also, the wind's blowing very, very hard here. That may have something to do with it. But hopefully everyone will, will be able to catch up with this. Um, I want to start into what I wanted to talk about today. And that is, you know, I want to keep talking about some prophetic things. When we misinterpret or worse misuse parts of scripture we corrupt the lesson and if you corrupt the lesson uh, bad things happen <laughs> a lot of people use Psalm 23 um, as comfort right when, when somebody leaves this world behind it's read at practically every funeral service and I'm not sure that was David's intent in fact, I'm pretty sure it was not David's intent when he wrote Psalm 23. So as we start to look at Psalm 23, um, read verse 1 for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay. David was a shepherd, right? I mean, that's no secret. David was a shepherd. He knew what the responsibilities of a shepherd were. He understood completely uh, what needed to be done. He understood completely what's going on. There wasn't any of this, uh, well, what's my job? What responsibilities have I got? David knew. See, by the time he was a young man, he had killed a lion. He killed a bear protecting his flock. He was no one's fool when it came to what the responsibilities of a shepherd were. You know, a shepherd needs to make certain that his animals under his care have everything they need to be healthy and sound, right? If you're going to care for an animal, one of the, one of the things we get in this picture here, uh, a lot of people want to talk about animal rights. David understood animal welfare making sure that the animals had everything that they needed to be healthy. A shepherd needs to keep his flock safe. You know, David was the sheepdog. He just did it again. Um, David was the sheepdog. He was everything. He was the good shepherd over his flocks in his care, which really helped him be a good king because he made sure that the people had the things that they needed to have. 
not only food, but water. You know, water that's, that's not contaminated. Water that is uh, safe, it's clean, it's healthy, doesn't hold disease or harmful substance. And it's interesting that he starts out with this. You know, he knew that his creator was his shepherd. He would provide these things. He didn't uh, have to to go search for the things that he absolutely had to have. You know, he had air to breathe. He had water to drink. He had food to eat. He was protected. Even when Saul was chasing him around, David was protected. Look at, at the next verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still, beside quiet waters. <laughs> You're too used to reading it in uh, King James. King James, sure. aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things in the, in this particular verse that we don't get. Uh, mostly because it's not been translated properly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our, our, the Almighty does not uh, force David to lie down in green pastures. Okay, uh, even though you know, the, that word in Hebrew is conjugated that way, it has to be because of the next phrase. It, it has to match grammatically. There, you know, we have this thing called grammar, and it's not just in English; it's in every language. And the rules of grammar need to be consistent. Um, he guides me beside the resting or quiet water. Now, the, the word here for lead or guide or manage and the word for stretching out to rest, they have to be conjugated with the same format. But that doesn't mean that he's going to force you to lie down. He guides you, you allow him to, to lead you, to take you places, to do things with you, to, to make sure that you're going in the right direction. Um, <laughs> when What David's saying is that our Creator is going to provide the best food and water possible. No shepherd would lead a flock to uh, dead grass with absolutely no nutritional value whatsoever. Uh, and, he, and he wouldn't drive them to water that was not fit to drink. If that happens, you know, the shepherd wouldn't be a shepherd very long because his flock would either die or they would scatter looking for you know, good grass and good water. And you know, that happens sometimes to, to animals. They don't you know, if, if their needs are not being satisfied, they have to, you know, have you, have you ever watched, uh, and it's kind of funny, you ride down the road and you'll see a pasture with animals in it. It doesn't matter what the, you know, if it's sheep or cattle or horses or whatever. And inevitably, at some point in time, one of them will probably have their head stretched through or under the fence trying to eat grass on the other side of the fence because they think it's better over there. Animals will always look for something better than what's in front of them. Not a lot different than people sometimes, but that's for another lesson. Let's look at the next verse. 
He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. Hmm. That probably sounds a little different than what you're used to. Now, quite literally, it's to turn back or return my soul to perfection. David's saying he wants to uh, return his soul. It's not something that we do, um, that we can do, okay? Because the Almighty is the one who must restore it. We, we don't do it on our own. It can't happen. But just like turning back a clock, the Creator has the ability to restore us. Uh, a few years ago, a term <laughs> that was used a lot was do-over. You know, if you mess up, I want to do over. Well, when when we mess up, okay, when our soul needs a do over, that's what David's looking at. You know, if uh, and, and it's not like uh, you you miss a basket playing a basketball game. Oh, I need a do over. I want to take that shot again. It's not like you miss you know the net when you're playing soccer. Oh, I need to do over. I need to take that shot again. This is something different. This means you, you know, if you miss the basket and you get a do over, everybody knows you missed the basket, right? If you miss the soccer net and you get a do over, everybody knows you missed the soccer net. When the Almighty restores your soul, not everybody needs to know it. It's a very personal and very um, uh, intimate thing that happens between you and your Creator. He leads us to righteousness, but He doesn't do it for us. He does it uh, for the sake of His name. Now that might sound a little weird, He's, you know, it sounds like, well, he's using us. Well, yeah, he kind of is. But it's, you know, the things he does for us are so that our example can be seen by everyone else. He does it for the sake of his name because he chooses to. Because he is holy, we should choose to remain holy. And again, not not for us. It's nothing we can do on our own. We should choose to please the Almighty as we work out our salvation in fear and trembling with him. It's one of those things that only he can provide. We don't we, you know, we don't get to set that standard. The Almighty is the one who will set that standard. Okay? Uh, here's the, the next verse. Here's where things get kind of fun. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay. That's the reason this verse is used at funerals. Because, you know, Again, we don't really understand it. Now, the, the word for shadow of death is actually a compound Hebrew word. It's made up of two words. Um, 
Zal, and uh, which is shadow, and death, Mavot, uh, which is not exactly death. It's it's described as deep darkness. The difference, uh, it's a different darkness even than described. Uh, Exodus 10, the, the plague of darkness in Egypt, where it was so dark you couldn't see in front of you, that was uh, about something you couldn't see. That was about sight. This is different. This is the darkness that will affect your spirit. The kind of darkness that makes you feel like you are completely separated from everything that is good. That's why I, I often ask who it is that is capable of casting a shadow of deep sorrow. You know, David had felt as though he was in that darkest place, a place where no light of any kind can penetrate. But not, you know, he, there are people who can stand in bright sunshine and feel this way. But he also knows at the same time that he has no reason to be afraid. He doesn't fear evil. But why? You know, when you're in that that dark, deep, hurting place, why do you fear no evil? Well, here's something you may or may never have heard before. It says, your rod, your kingly scepter, and your staff, your support, that is what brings me comfort. Just knowing that our Creator, who He is, and the promises that He's made, is what brings comfort to David. And it should bring comfort to us also. Now, typically, a king is going to hold a scepter in his right hand. That's, you know, that is the sign of authority, that is the sign of power. But, what does our Creator hold in His right hand? If you've been listening to this show long enough, you, you know the answer to this. He holds a scroll in His right hand, but it's not just any scroll. It's the scroll that He holds is the Book of Life. It has the names of everyone who either has been born or who will be born written on it already. And we are the only ones who can blot our names, our own names, out of that book. Nobody else can blot your name out of that book. Only you can do that. You are the only one who has the ability to remove your name from that book. David knew this. And he uses the thought of his name in the Creator's right hand to comfort him. Now, a shepherd's staff you know, it has a hook on one end and, you know, it's used to guide the animals or, you know, you hook them to hang on to them, drag them back a little bit if, if that's needed. It's kind of a multi-purpose tool. And in this psalm, David's use of that word indicates that our Creator is using something to keep us moving in the right direction. It can be used to keep us out of trouble. It can be used to kind of pull us back, rein us in when we need to be. He's talking about the Creator's instructions. 
His instructions teach us the way we're designed to live. And he gives us examples. It's that simple. David says, look, I get comfort knowing that my name is still in your hand. And if I follow your instructions, I am going to be in a place that is going to be healing for me. I'm going to be able to be restored. I'm going to have all of the things that you want me to have. I'm going to be in a position where I can recognize the blessings that you want me to, to be blessed with. Now, I call this David's prophetic victory march because here is where he starts to turn things around. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. David uh, was a king. And when a king has a table prepared in the presence of his enemies, it's not for food. It's not about a meal. We're not going to sit down over, you know, um, you know a good steak and talk this out. What's on that table are the articles of surrender. His enemies surrender. The Almighty's enemies surrender. It's where David really gets this concept of victory, defeating the enemies of the Creator, defeating the enemies of the Almighty's chosen people. Now, the word here for anoint is not the same word that we get Messiah from. Okay? Um, it, it's really... There's not another English word that we could actually use, but it doesn't really fit either. The, the word Messiah actually means anointed or to anoint, depending on how you conjugate it. The word used here uh, is only actually used 11 times in the entire Hebrew Bible. Deshen uh, means to be fat or grow fat. It can also mean to get greasy, okay? So when you when you pour yeah, I see the look on your face. So when you pour oil on someone's head, yes, they do get greasy, right? But what he's saying here is is we are not being uh turned into the the clones of the Messiah. We're not ourselves being anointed for that. But it means that we're going to instead be made fat, be made healthy, be made um, greasy. <laughs> I guess it's another way to say it. We we really it's it, it's kind of interesting because what S some countries refer to you as fat when you're healthy. Yeah. So and that's, that's that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um when you're yeah, and I not obese, right? No. It's 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 a way of saying you know, you look fit. You 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 are made whole, you're healed, you're because he's not just talking about your physical body here. Right, he's he's talking about 
spirit, soul, and body, all three together. And that's what he's looking at. That's why he uses this word. You know, you anoint my head with oil. You're going to, you know, you're pouring the blessings out over me in order to make sure I'm healthy because he is a shepherd. What do shepherds do to their flock? They keep them as healthy as possible. It's, <laughs> don't, don't get the idea that David's calling us a bunch of fatheads. Okay, that's not it at all. But like Myra said, you want to be healthy. You want to be fit. You want to look and feel your absolute best. And finally. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now David understands that he, if he lives the way he's designed to live, he will have good things, but it won't always be good, not always without trouble, because he, he realizes he needs mercy as well. What he's telling us is that good things are going to find him, but he includes that his need for the Creator's mercy because he's acknowledging that sometimes trouble is going to come too. Sometimes, you know, you're going to get in that situation where you do things or say things you probably shouldn't do and you probably shouldn't say, and you're going to uh, be looking for that mercy. There's a lot of times where believers, you know, they get hung up on this notion that when they really mess things up, can they ever really get back? Yeah, you can. That's that's part of what this is all about. Remember what it, he said earlier. He restores my soul. He turns it around. It's not like a do-over. But you get to wipe everything out and start again, fresh. You Living... Um, living in, in these times actually prepared date well I should say these times I should say living, living in the time that David lived going through the things that David went through it prepared him for so much he had been a shepherd he knew what it was like to be chased he knew what it was like to be persecuted he knew what it was like to lead people he knew and recognized what it was like to have family It's amazing that he was he was that prophetic in such a few words. You know, practically everybody can say the 23rd Psalm. But not everybody realizes not everybody realizes how prophetic it is. I will dwell in the house of Jehovah forever. Now the word forever really isn't forever. <laughs> it's not the word you expect to find. It literally says 
many days or all days. There's a couple of different ways that you can, can say that. But it's days and days and days and days with no end. Now, I know that seems like forever, but it it's different. He's talking strictly about time here. He's not talking uh, or referring to the typical forever that we see in Scripture, the Olam, meaning all-inclusive. Here he's specifically talking about time. And just the simple word yamim, yam meaning day, but the plural yamim, days. Days upon days upon days upon days with no end. So yeah, kind of forever, but more detailed than that. <laughs> Language in the Bible is, I said last night when I was talking to a friend of mine, it is agonizingly specific. And if you don't look at each word, we probably are never going to understand how prophetic some of the things that are written are. It's amazing that we can't count to the end of days upon days upon days upon days. Sometimes we get to the the theory, the feeling that, you know, uh, there, there was a song that, that one of the choirs used to sing about 10,000 years. Well, we've been there 10,000 years uh, and not the Amazing Grace one. It was a different song. And... We get, you know, we we think about it because it is a, a time frame that we just don't realize. The secular scientists want us to believe that the Earth, you know, is so many billions of years old, and it's kind of hard to to think about that. But at the same time, at the same time, the Earth is very young. Only about six thousand years old so far. What David's doing is he's not putting a time limit on the length of days. I'm going to be there, as far as I'm concerned, days upon days upon days. That, that wording doesn't limit us to a certain number of years, kind of like uh, the secular world wants to. That wording stretches out beyond all of that. What's the highest number you can count to? David didn't want to limit that either. He says, don't worry about how long it's going to be. It's just going to be days upon days upon days upon days. For for the folks that listen that were in the military, and there's quite a few, this, what I'm going to say, should make a lot of sense to you. Psalm 23 is the cadence of David's victory march straight into the New Jerusalem. Think about that. 
Now, if you're in the military, you know what a cadence is. If you've ever played uh, in a marching band, you know what a cadence is. You know, there, there's things out there that you just don't think about sometimes, but Psalm 23 is David's cadence for his victory march. Are you willing to march in there with him? Are you willing to go that far? Are you willing to do what it takes? Because all it takes is learning to live the way you're designed to live. And you can be there with him. You can look at Psalm 23, hopefully much diff much more different now, because Psalm 23 is absolutely a victory march. It's not about uh, being sad when someone dies and leaves this world. But it is about rejoicing, knowing that if we actually are willing to do the things we need to do right now, our future is absolutely certain. It is absolutely guaranteed. And you will be where you want to be in the end. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Just want to thank everybody for joining us today from all around the world. We appreciate you. Yep, and putting up with the interruptions as well. We do apologize for that. So, yes. Uh, until, what, Thursday, right? Yes. Okay. Many, many blessings, everyone. <laughs>